Good morning. It's a joy to be uh, back uh, preaching the word. I've been, uh, my wife and I, we've been on holidays for a time and even had last Sunday off to kind of prepare for the fall. Um, but it is a, it's something I love preaching the word. I also do it with fear and trembling. Uh, so there's a weight, there's a weight to preaching. And so it's a, it's a blessing for a, just a period of time to not have that weight and just to take it in with, with everybody else. But I'm very excited to be back again, opening up God's Word with you this morning. Uh, we'll be looking at 1 Kings again, 18, focusing on verses 41 to 46. But just a, a, a question for all of you here this morning. Do you ever pray for something more than once? For those who pray, uh, does God always answer you right away? No. No. <laughs> okay. You don't have to answer these ones, but just in, in your head. But, uh, <laughs> but I like that. Emphatically, that's what we're all thinking. Emphatically, no. Does, does God ever not answer your prayers? And, and maybe you've been praying about something for months, for years, for season after season, and wondering, like, what is going on? And friends, that's, that's persevering prayer. That's persevering prayer. And as we look at the, a little bit of the life of Elijah, just in a couple of short verses, we're going to see that. I want us to see that more than anything else. Elijah had to persevere in prayer. The prophet Elijah, who we know so much about, about his, the things that he did, accomplished, the Lord did through him. But I hope for all of us that God would help each one of us learn to grow in the ability to persevere in prayer. Because I think that's a large part of our prayer life is persevering, is keep going, is keep taking these things before the Lord. And I hope that we can get that message this morning. Keep praying, never give up. Keep trusting in the Lord. So actually, before even reading the scripture here this morning, I'd just like to again uh, seek the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, God, this is your word. Uh, These are your people. And uh, I am just your servant, and I pray, God, in your kindness and your mercy, Lord, you'd speak to us through your word this morning. I pray, Lord, you would, you would teach us uh, lessons about persevering in prayer. You would, uh, Lord, you would expose our hearts where things are off. Um, Lord, those who do not even know you, who are here today, may you give them ears to hear uh, your call, eyes to see their need for Christ. And allow them to believe and trust in you, Lord. I pray you administer to each one of us as we need uh, through the preaching of your word, uh, by your spirit. Oh, Lord, so do this work. Glorify your name. uh, Further your purposes in our hearts and lives. I pray, Lord, this is a work that I cannot do, we cannot do, but we're asking that you would do in your kindness and your mercy, Lord. Meet with us through the preaching of your word this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, just for context's sake, we're going to actually start in verse 30. Uh, so Elijah, there's this, this showdown with the prophets of Baal. We looked at the last time I preached about a month ago. The prophets of Baal had their chance to offer their sacrifice with fire, nothing. We're going to pick up where Elijah starts. If you want to stand with me for the reading of God's word, 1 Kings 18, we'll start in verse 30 and read to the end of the chapter. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, 
to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as we would contain two seahs of seed, about 14 liters. And he put the wood in order and cut the bowl in pieces and laid it on the wood, and he said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time, and they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink. For there's a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again, seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. I've titled this message, Learning to Persevere in Prayer. And I, and I pray that as we do it, you're going to see as we're going to go through the story of Elijah, we're, we're going to stop, verses 42 to 43, we're going to drill down. What are the lessons that we can take away for ourselves to learn to persevere in prayer? How do we apply it to our lives? And then we'll continue on with the story. But just as we go again into the text, we haven't been here in 1 Kings for about a month. And so the reason we're in 1 Kings, it's pretty amazing. If you look at 1 Kings as a whole, the first 11, 12 chapters focus on Solomon, amazing king of Israel. And then the, the kingdom splits and there's northern Israel, there's southern Judah, and then there's various kings come into play and it tells their stories and many of them are wicked and didn't follow the Lord and it's kind of king after king after king, but all of a sudden you get to 17, and it stops and focuses in on northern Israel, King Ahab, who was a wicked king. And you're like, why does it all of a sudden stop when you're just flying through king after king after king? Well, it also focuses on there's a man by the name of Elijah, a prophet that God had called to himself. Like, God, in the darkest times, God's always like, I have my people, and I have my plans. And that's why we're in 1 Kings. We can just see they had a wicked ruler. Things were not going well. It's spiritually speaking, the temperature was very low. God wasn't worried. God had his man Elijah. We'll find out he had over 7,000 who never bowed the knee to the idol Baal. 
And so as we, we go into this text, where we've been, Ahab has been ruling. He, he came in, he married his wife Jezebel, and they brought in Baal worship. Uh, this, this Canaanite god who is supposed to rule over the sky and rule over the rain to be brought onto the land. And everyone was worshiping, not God, Baal. They all had turned their hearts away. And then God, in response, caused the rain to cease and famine to come onto the land. And it hadn't rained in the area for over three and a half years. Such to the extent that all of a sudden when Elijah finally came back and he had this showdown, as we just read, with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And he's like, okay, you guys who worship Baal, who rules over the sky, you get all your people together, 450, you create a sacrifice, you cut it up, and call down fire. Baal, he also holds thunderbolts, lightning. He should be able to do that, and I'll have mine, right? And what happened? They called, they pranced around, they made all types of noise, nothing. No one heard, no one listened. Their God, lowercase g, is impotent, has no power in view of the Lord God Almighty. And then Elijah, what did he do? He had his sacrifice, and he prayed, and fire came down upon the altar and burned it up. And all the people, their hearts were moved. And they cried out, Yahweh is Lord, Yahweh is Lord. Their hearts were being turned back to him. But still, it had not yet rained. And that's where we come to the text today. There's amazing a move of God on Mount Carmel. The verses proceeding after. I just want you to see like that amazing moment. Fire coming down. Elijah crying out. The Lord listening to him. But it still had not rained. God wanted to move the people's hearts back to himself before he would bring rain. I want you to see this. So verse 41, jumping into the text. I want us to first see, thinking about learning to persevere in prayer we need to be about believing before seeing. Believing before seeing. Look at verse 41 with me. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there's the sound of the rushing of rain. Why is he saying go up? Well, I think in, in verse 40, it seems like they grabbed the prophets of Baal. They went down to the brook Kishon, which some people thought maybe because the water flowed out into the Mediterranean Sea. Mediterranean Sea. And so maybe as they killed these prophets of Baal, judgment upon them, leading everyone astray, they were down the mountain. So Elijah's like, hey, go up. Go up and eat and drink. Maybe Ahab was fasting for, the, for that time. We don't know why. But he listens uh, to Elijah. But he, he, so he's going up the mountain. But what does Elijah also say there? Go up and eat and drink, for there's a sound of the rushing of rain. I love it. There's a sound of the rushing of rain because there was no rain. <laughs> like the, the ground was as dry as dust. Three and a half years with no rain. I, I can't imagine how dusty everything would have been. He's like, no, but there's a sound of the rushing of rain. What a statement. He, he hears it. He believes it before it comes. Right? Do, you, do you see that statement of faith Elijah makes? And we're like, well, yeah, he knows it's going to rain. We'll see no, it doesn't happen according to his timeline. There wasn't just rain on the horizon, but he knew it was coming. He had belief. He was believing it before he was seeing it. We need to, of course, live with faith in our lives. We need to believe with faith the words in the Bible before we see the answers of them, before we maybe see the, like, the actual 
uh, rubber meets the road at times. That's right. This walk is a walk of faith. And we'll read things in Scripture and we're like, I don't see that. Well, yeah, so we need to believe before we see. Just, just think about this a few Scriptures. Like that, that God, if God has started a work in your life, you're like, I have the Spirit of God. I've trusted in Jesus Christ. He's my Savior, but you're, you're struggling. You're going through some hard time. Things are not working out as you had planned. But we have this scripture, this promise in Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. If you are one of God's sons and one of God's daughters, you have the Spirit of God within you. Maybe sometimes you can't see the work. You're like, I don't know, God, what's happening? But I know I have scripture. I'm going to believe it before I see it. There's another scripture I want to encourage you with here this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24. I'll just read it for us. Paul writes this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. I'm like, I don't see that in my life. But I see this promise of Scripture. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. We need to believe before we see it. And if you just notice too, both of those promises are linked to the coming, the day of Jesus Christ, the coming of his return. Like Christ is coming back again. We'd all say, yes, amen. We believe it. Like, but do you, do you see him? He is not yet here. You've got to believe before you see it. It says in, in Romans chapter 8, talking about uh, the return of Jesus, the resurrection of our bodies, creation being restored. It says in Romans 8, 24 to 25, in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I just want you to see that's a huge part of persevering prayer, hoping for something you cannot see, taking God at his word, believing before you see it. Like, I do not yet see the Lord Jesus Christ return, but it says over and over again in the New Testament, he's coming back. He's coming back. It says in Revelation, I'm coming again soon. And so with anticipation, we gather and we worship. With anticipation, we, we share the name of Jesus Christ with other people. We're believe He's coming. He's coming soon. I don't yet see it. Lord, give us faith to believe before it happens. Believing before seeing. So we see this in Elijah. Just that statement. Going back to 1 Kings 18, verse 41. There is a sound of the rushing of rain. It has not rained. There's not one drop. But he, he sees it. He believes before it has happened. Amazing, amazing. Be believing before seeing, that's how we want to learn to persevere in prayer. We need to believe what we see in God's word before we see it. Of course, it takes faith. May God give us faith. Verse 42, I want us to look at characteristics of persevering prayer. Look at verse 42 with me. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Interesting, one went up to eat and to drink, and one went up to pray. And I don't know where Ahab went up to eat and drink. Obviously, he had servants who were preparing food for him. I imagine it would have been close to where the, the sacrifices were made. Probably as they were preparing, it took a long time. He probably had people preparing food there. 
I'm just picturing it doesn't say in the text, but he went back up to Mount Carmel to eat and to drink. And you think as he was eating and drink, did he go past the altars? Did he go past the altars of Baal that was not touched, that still had the sacrifice sitting on it? Because Baal is dead. Did he go past the altar of Elijah that was consumed by fire? I'm just wondering, as, as, as Ahab went back up to eat and to drink, did he see that? But that's not what Elijah went up for. Elijah went up on top of Mount Carmel to pray. He removed himself from others to seek God. He left, interesting, he left a place of victory, of excitement, of, of where God so clearly showed himself to be the true and mighty God. But he didn't go there. He went up higher. He went to a place to be alone, to get quiet and to seek with God. So friends, I want you to see this. Just think of characteristics of persevering prayer. The first one is the place. The place that you would go to. Think Elijah, he was getting away from the crowd. He was getting away from the commotion. We see Jesus do this in the Gospels. Mark 1.35. It says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Jesus went and had to go and be alone with the Father. Luke 5.16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, or desolate places where he prayed. So the first characteristics is a place, and I'm talking about like remove yourself from other people. Get quiet. Whether you have a room in your house, maybe there's a time in the day for those of us, young kids, when they, obviously they have to be asleep. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's late at night. Maybe there's a park or a field. Be somewhere where people are not. That's the characteristics of, of persevering pr prayer. You need a place. The goal is uninterrupted time with God. So, of, of course, that includes, like, turn off your cell phone, put it away, right? Right in the age of distraction, you're like, man, I'm just going to go meet with God. I'm going to cry out to him. And it's like, oh, I got a phone call. I got a text. I got an email. We need to turn those things. We need to throw those things away and meet with the Lord. Cell phones are not part of persevering prayer. So we need a place. The other thing I want you to see here in verse 42 is the position. So Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed, he bowed himself down on the earth and he put his face between his knees. I think it's, it's so clearly he's going to pray. The New Living Translation just says, and he prayed Commentator Dale Ralph Davis says this, Though the text does not overtly use a prayer verb, Elijah's body language says it all. This is the posture of intense, concentrated prayer. And so I, I'm saying he needs the right position. First, before we talk about body position, in persevering prayer, you need the right heart position. So Elijah had it, if you think, because what happened he, he had already been in the right standing with God. He was walking with him. He called the people to repent, to turn away from their sins and what they were trusting in, which was not God. They needed to turn their hearts toward God. So we need to have the right heart position in order to be about persevering prayer. So Elijah was right with God. The people had turned back to God first, and then Elijah could pray for rain. It doesn't go the other way around. He doesn't, not that like, hey, I'm going to cry out. I'm going to pray for rain. Rain's going to come. Then the people's hearts are going to be turned back. No, the people's hearts already were turned back. Now Elijah can pray for rain. So we need the right heart position. 
In order to pray properly, we need to be right with God. Right through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. But even as we are Christians, then we need to confess and confess any sin that we have, struggles that we're going through. God already knows. We're laying it before him like, Lord, forgive me. Lord, Lord, help me. Looking to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for mercy and forgiveness. So we need the right heart position, but then if we look at Elijah, he also has a body position. He bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Notice his body position. It speaks of one that's that's uh, of humility and need. Like, remember what just happened. He just, he prayed and fire came down from heaven. I, I love that you don't find Elijah like, okay, Lord, it's time to bring prayer, trying to bring rain. Instead, he gets on his knees. He puts his head down in humility and he cries out to the Lord. His body position is showing where his heart was at in humility and need crying out to God. Just, just think about this. We see uh, the Apostle Paul, just a few examples of this body position type prayer. Apostle Paul, Acts 20, verse 36, meeting with the Ephesian elders, and he, after he spoke to them, he knelt down and prayed with them all. In Acts 21, uh, verse 5, he met with another group of believers. And he, as they departed, we went on our journey, and they all with wives and children accompanied us until we went outside the city. And then kneeling down on the beach, we prayed. We see a number of instances in Scripture where people, where they go to their knees to pray. We see Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane as he's, he knows the cross is coming, and he lies down on his, on his face down, crying out to the Lord, Friends, you can pray in so many ways, right? Bodily speaking, standing up, sitting down, head up, head down, eyes closed, eyes open. But there's a different type of prayer that happens when you're on your knees before the Lord. Like, where it actually reflects your heart. And of course, maybe when you pray at mealtime, you're not going to like go and get on your knees and pray. And if you do that, like praise the Lord. But there's a different, like this persevering prayer, this crying out to God, this going and getting alone with God. Heart position's correct, but then get the body position. And friends, if, if you can, if you are able, try to pray this way. Try to pray on your knees, on your face before the Lord. Like if you're praying, if you're bringing things before God, like I do not know how you're going to answer this. I don't know how it's going to turn out. In desperation, try to just go on your knees before the Lord. Have your body position match your heart. So just a few characteristics there of persevering prayer. Place, get away from people. Position, have your heart humble before the Lord. Have your body position match your heart. If you can, if you're able, I'd say try. Try to go to your knees, laying down, face down. So Elijah, he goes, he positions himself. Verse 43, now I want you to note, Persevering prayer keeps going. <laughs> it's a synonym. That's what persevering means. Persevering means keeps going. I'm laughing. Just but like, this is what we need to know, though, about persevering prayer. We need to keep going. We need to not give up. We need to keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. That's what persevering prayer is. Do we see Elijah do this? Look at this in verse 43. I love this. And he said to his servant, I it doesn't say where his servant came from, what, all of a sudden he has a servant, but he said to his servant, 
Go up now, look toward the sea. So do you see the picture? Wherever Elijah is on the top of Mount Carmel, he can't see the sea. He can't see the water. But he's down, he's praying. He kind of looks up, he's like, go check the sea. It's a distance far enough away that he's not getting up and going. Sends his servant. His servant's going, however far it is, and looking. And then coming back and telling him, what does he tell him? Nothing. There's nothing. And then he said, go again. We, like my version says, go again seven times. And you keep reading. And I don't think we grasp what's happening. Elijah, who just saw fire fall down from the sky, he's praying for rain. He's on his face. Go check. Second time. However long it's taking. He's praying. Comes back. There's nothing. Go again. Like this is persevering prayer. This is Elijah who just saw the fire fall. Why is God waiting? Why is God delaying? I don't know, but persevering prayers keep going. Don't give up. Keep asking. Keep seeking. And get, get this, like God already said he would bring rain. In, in 1 Kings 17, 1, as Elijah shows up on the scene, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And it's his word. His word. He's crying out there's rain. It says in 18 verse 1, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So he's already like, hey, at his word it's going to rain. God just told Elijah, when you go and see Ahab, I'm going to bring rain. And for whatever reason, he has these promises and he's praying, and there's nothing. I love that Elijah doesn't like three times, he's like, what? There's not rain? God said he's going to send, no, he head bowed. Keeps praying. He keeps praying, perseveres in prayer. The Lord answered Elijah's prayer right away when fire came down, and yet now Elijah waits for God's answer, for rain. Friend, we see here God's timing and ways are fully known only by him. We need to realize that. So think of persevering prayer. is There's a waiting. There's a waiting. It doesn't happen how we like it. In our instant society, persevering prayer smashes all that to the ground. There's no Amazon Prime. <laughs> right? For persevering prayer, they're like, hey, can I, can I update this? Can I get it a little bit faster? No. It's in God's timing. It's in God's hands. We see Elijah have to go through this. There's a waiting and persevering prayer. I love one commentator says this, God's will is certain, but he delights to do his will in answer to the prayers of his people. And so we're going to see here in a moment, obviously, that God finally answers Elijah's prayer. He says it takes him seven times. Of course, we know, hey, well, okay, seven's the number of completeness in the Bible. But I think it's just, for whatever reason, he pray, had to pray seven times. Had to keep watching, praying, waiting, praying again. God's teaching him something through this. God's humbling him. But the Lord is teaching him about persevering prayer, to keep going, to don't give up, to keep asking. Now, friends, I kind of want to stop here in the midst of this Elijah story and drill down further. For ourselves, what does that mean, persevering prayer for us. We see that in Elijah's life. 
the one who called down fire, who the Lord answered his prayer. He had to persevere in prayer. Maybe we're like, well, yeah, that's, that's Elijah. I just want to encourage you a few scriptures from the New Testament. Look at uh, James chapter 5 with me. James chapter 5, looking the middle of verse 16 to 18. I love that this is in scripture. Because we're like, oh, that's Elijah. Elijah the prophet. James 16. James chapter 5, sorry, verse 16. In the middle it says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. Or it can be translated, The effective prayer of a righteous person has great power. Look at verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. As in, he's, he's a human. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. It's like James wants us to know, like, look at the example of Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a, a human just like us. And he prayed, and God answered his prayer. And God hears our prayers. We serve the same God of Elijah. So there's that in James to encourage us in persevering prayer. But I also want you to see this parable of Jesus in Luke 18. Remember, all of this is helping, hoping to build us up and learning to persevere in prayer. In Luke 18, at the beginning, in verse 1, Jesus Jesus told them a parable, his disciples. Listen to this. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. I, lo I love that. That's what he said. This is why I'm telling you this parable, that you ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he tells this parable. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men, man. And there's a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. This widow was struggling against something, was uh, wrongs being done to her. So she goes to the judge. Judge doesn't want to do anything. Verse 4, for a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, like I really don't care. Verse 5, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. She will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? God's like, hey, I will, I will answer your prayers. But look what he says in verse 8. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Right? That persevering prayer, we need faith. We don't see the answers. We've got to keep praying, keep trusting, keep believing. But I love what this parable said. The reason he told it. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. I love that word in Scripture. Friends, I just want us to think for just a, a few minutes here, applications of persevering prayer. How do we apply that to our lives? Maybe you're already thinking through something you're wrestling through with the Lord. Of course, the first I just want to bring before you, salvation of lost people. What I mean, salvation of lost people, people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, as their Lord. People who are saying, I'm going to do my own thing, but they don't know that there's a judgment coming. That one day we'll all stand before the Lord, and the only way to get into heaven is those who had faith and trust in Jesus Christ, have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. 
So there's, salvation. there's people who are lost, who don't know Jesus, who we're praying for, we're crying out for. Oh, may they believe one day, friends, family members, co-workers. But it's tough, right? Sometimes you're sharing and, you're, and, and I'm seeing nothing. Nothing. And maybe we, we stop praying. Friends, we need to persevere in prayer for the lost people, the people who don't know Jesus in our life. I want to just encourage you from a story of, of George Mueller's life. I don't know if you know George Mueller. He, he, built an orphan, he built lots of orphanages in the 1800s. Amazing story how God used him to help all these orphans and, and finance everything. He never asked for one cent from everyone. He just prayed. He just sent his request before the Lord. You should learn about George Mueller if you don't know. But the reason I want to show you a little bit from George Mueller's life, thinking about praying for people who don't know Jesus Christ, this is his testimony, one of his testimonies. In November 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on the land or on the sea, and whatever the pressure of my engagements might be. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. Prayed for 18 months straight. I thanked God and prayed on the others, prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed, and then the second was converted. I thanked God for the second and prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them. Six years passed before the third was converted. That's uh, 12 and a half years. I thanked God for the three and went on praying for the other two. He kept praying again day by day for 36 years. In 1897, those two other men, sons of a friend of Mr. Mueller's youth, were not converted. And he cried out to God on their behalf for 52 years daily. But after his death, God brought them into the fold. One of them got converted at his funeral. One of them a few months after. He didn't, he didn't even get to see these people come to faith, but he kept praying for 52 years. I'm like, man, I prayed for something for a couple months. I'm like, oh Lord, stir us up with fresh faith to keep praying for answers we have not yet seen, for loved ones who don't know, know the Lord. May we be encouraged, may we be challenged by his testimony. If anyone wants to borrow this book from me, come and just grab it after the service. It's a really small book. See what God did in George Mueller's life. Be greatly encouraged. So just come grab me after the service. That's one place we need to persevere in prayer, uh, the salvation of lost people. Of course, we need to persevere in prayer for for people who are sick, going through significant trials that do, are not stopping. We need to keep going for the Lord in prayer. Lord, could you heal this person? Lord, could you change your situation? We need to keep praying, keep trusting. Trusting, of course, that God is sovereign over it all. It's in his hands. Friends, we need to keep praying for church planting, right? We're a church that's planted. We want to plant other churches. I, we don't know where. But we want to see other churches planted. Will you pray with us? Lord, where would you like to see another church planted? Another church is going to stand up and preach the word of God and stand on sound doctrine. We need to, so pray with us. We need to persevere in prayer. It's not like we're going to pray for a week and God's like, oh, here it is. We need to keep praying, keep trusting. We need to pray for more church planters, for people who would, God would raise up within our church to be sent out to see this happen. Friends, like we've seen the answers to persevering prayer. Like we were, we were praying since we first started uh, for a worship director, for a full-time staff member. We had Lisa Rice kind of built the worship ministry and Susan Isis and, and blessed us and, and gave leadership to it. We, but we were praying 
for someone for a full-time staff. Finally, like two years later, Josh Gosen and their family, and you came on staff, and it was an answer to prayer. We've been praying for two years. The Lord answered, and now just brought you to Red Deer. Again, persevering in prayer a little less, but God answered prayer and brought you guys a place in Red Deer to rent. Uh, we, I was just, when on holidays, I went to Hope Kelowna and then went to Lake Country in Oyama. Uh, it's, a, it's a plant out of Hope Kelowna. And they're praying, they're looking for a pastor. There's like a group of 40 or so of the people, they're gathering, they're worshiping. And they're praying. It's like you got to persevere in prayer. God, who is going to come? Who is going to lead us? Let's keep praying. And I don't know if any of you remember, I want to bring this before your attention. Luke 10.2. Do you know what Luke 10.2 says? We use this to pray, to persevere in prayer for church planning. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of harvest to send out workers. So I encourage you, I don't know if anyone's done it, if you want to persevere in prayer with me and with others for church planting, take your phone, set your alarm to 10.02 a.m. Whether you do it on Saturday if you're able, or if you're able throughout the week. I have mine Monday through Saturday. <laughs> and, and every time it goes off, it's like, well, oh yeah, and just a short prayer. Hey, I'm praying for Oyama. And there's going to be a church plant in Enderby, God willing. I'm praying for our church. Lord, send out more workers. It's so cool. When I was in Hope, Cologne, I'll just share this little testimony. Everyone there, or many people are praying, such to the extent the service starts at 9, the pastor warned me. Just so you know, at 10.02, alarms are going to go off. So I'm in the middle preaching. Alarms are going off. We just stop, and we pray for church planters. <laughs> I, I love it. Set your, set your phones, 10.02 a.m. Join with me to persevere in prayer for that. We, we're supporting a church planter, Baron Mambal, who wants to see churches churches planted in the Democratic Republic of Congo. He's there right now. They're looking for a building, a meeting place. They had a place that fell through. It's not going to be easy. We need to keep praying. If you remember Baron Mimbala, or remember Baron, <laughs> if that's, that's easier, pray for him. Pray for him right, right now this week. We need to persevere in prayer. And again, what's another place? Just one more example, application. Where are we praying for in persevering in prayer? We need to pray continually for Canada. We need to pray continually for Canada. We, I, I encourage you, uh, I forget how long ago, maybe a couple months ago, we have these little prayer cards. Pray for Canada. Pray specifically. Ask God to forgive the sins of our nation. Ask God to humble our nation. Ask God to turn the hearts of our nation to him. We, like, we need more people. There's cards out front, Connection Center. If you can grab one, put it in your Bible, some reminder to keep praying, keep crying out for our nation. That God would move in our churches. He would revive our hearts. We would be so literally people of the book. We're like, yes, I want to obey that. Give me the spirit of God to do that. Live lives of holiness. Lord, change cities as only he can. Like the, the problems that exist in our country, the degradation, the drop off morally. God, God's our only hope. So will you help, will you join in together when we persevere in prayer for our country of Canada? Grab a card, let's keep praying. So there's so many other places we can, but friends, there's so much we need to persevere in prayer about. But what about when God does not answer the prayer? You just have to think about that for a second. What about when God doesn't answer the prayer? You're crying out to him day and night. Maybe you're praying for a marriage and you see them separate. Or you're praying for a loved one and, and they die. They're not healed. 
Well, what we need to do when we're like, I don't understand what's happening, we need to go to what we do understand. We don't understand maybe how God's leading in this way. We are, okay, go back to, do we know God is good? Do we know God is kind? Do we know God is loving? Right, we, we, we see in Jesus Christ the love of God. While we are still sinners, he died for us. We know God's love is so great and so amazing. We may not understand all the details of why he chooses to answer some prayers and not others. But we trust in God's goodness. We trust that God's ways are above ours, are far above ours. We can trust what Paul writes in Romans 11, 33 to 36. Just let me read it for you. Romans 11, 33 to 36. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. That's, I think that's where we need to always go. If like, I don't understand what God's doing. Yes, but he does. And then we need to go and we need to trust him and trust his ways and trust his timing, right? God's timing is perfect. You just think about Elijah, the mystery of God's timing. He answered the prayer for fire immediately. As Elijah prayed for rain, he prayed seven times over a length of period of time. And then God answered that. Just think for a moment before we go back to the story of Elijah. Think of the benefits, the fruits of persevering prayer. Persevering prayer, it produces dependence upon God. Like we should all be heavily dependent upon God. We don't have breath unless he allows our lungs to work. We don't have sight unless he allows our eyes to see but it produces dependence upon God. It produces humility before him, right? If we're continually going back and asking prayer and like, I don't have the answer. I can't do this. It's humbling. It produces character in us to trust God and not ourselves. Right? Think about this. Waiting in faith builds faith. Like if you're actually, you're praying and you're like, I'm, I'm believing you can do this, but you're waiting and waiting. But waiting in faith builds faith. It, it builds character in us. And lastly, persevering prayer allows us to persevere, allows us to keep going, allows us to not give up. Friends, I, I just think that's such a necessary trait to be a Christian in 2023. We need to grow in the ability to persevere, the ability to keep going. We're like, man, I don't know what's happening. Things are looking dark at times. We're like, no, I'm trusting God. I'm going to keep going. And persevering prayer, praying for things that we do not yet see the answer to, will help us grow in the ability to persevere, help us grow in the ability to keep going, to not give up, to keep following Jesus Christ, even when things get hard. We need that trait today and ever more, I think, as the days grow on. Lord, may the Lord help us in persevering prayer. I just want to go back again to the, the story of Elijah here to finish. I know a big hiatus. <laughs> we stepped away, going back. So he prays the seventh time in verse 44, back to 1 Kings 18. In verse 44, and at the seventh time he said, there's a servant, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. I love it. The seventh time he goes around the corner, whatever, it comes back. There's like a little cloud, like a man's hand. And Elijah says like, okay, that's the answer. 
right? Like, what does he say? And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. There's just a little cloud off in the distance. And he's like, that's the answer. It's coming. I love it. I love what an old Saint Matthew Henry says this about the little cloud. Great blessings often arise from small beginnings and showers of plenty from a cloud of a span that's very far away. Let us therefore never despise the day of small things, but hope and wait for great things from it. And I love, in, in God's mercy, he goes and tells Ahab, go get your chariot ready. Ahab, Ahab who helped bring in all the Baal worship. He could have been like, you're on your own, right? You're going you're gonna, to, like, water's going to go on this dry land. There could be flash floods. It could be very dangerous. His chariot's not going to work anymore. But instead, he's like, go tell Ahab to get his chariot ready. That's God's kindness. We see there in Ahab. And as we see this, this prayer answered, think about how amazing this is. Verse 45, In a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. That was probably the, the, the winter house, a warmer place as opposed to Samaria. So he rose and went to Jezreel. The rain came down. Think about it hadn't rained for three and a half years. I can't imagine that. I can't think through that type of drought. I know there's worse droughts that have happened. But imagine just the people where all of a sudden it starts to rain on the dry land. God has heard the prayers of the people. God first moved their hearts back, then all of a sudden rain came. I imagine there was dancing. I imagine there was much weeping. Baal, the God of the heavens, showed himself to be nothing. For three and a half years they worshipped Baal, nothing. They turned their hearts back to the Lord. Rain came down. It was God's covenant blessing upon the people. If you look at Deuteronomy 28 or Leviticus 26, there's blessings and curses for the people of Israel. If they follow the Lord, blessings. If not, curses. Not following God, one of the curses was there will be famine in the land. They had the curses happening to them. But they turned their hearts, again, God's blessing his people, showing his covenant love. Deuteronomy 28, 12 says this, one of the blessings, the Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. Commentator Dale Davis says this, rain meant life, water for soil, people, and livestock, grain for food, grass for animals, Yahweh then is the, go the God of dramatic intervention. You think of fire coming down and of daily provision, just rain coming, providing for people. So it finally started to rain. And look at verse 46 with me. I want us to see here this opportunity of grace as we finish. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he gathered up his garments and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The hand of the Lord on Elijah, it's an idiom talking about like God by his spirit gave him strength to run past Ahab. It's amazing. It's another miracle. I guess uh, commentators say it was like 27 kilometers away that he ran. But think about this opportunity of grace with me for a moment. So Ahab, he's in his chariot, however long a chariot takes, 27 kilometers. I imagine it wasn't like this. So he's in his chariot and he maybe is thinking, it's finally raining. It hasn't rained for three and a half years. And he, and he worshipped Baal. And the prophets of Baal, Ahab would have stood back. He would have watched them dancing around their altar, calling out to Baal. No one answered. No one heard nothing. 
But then fire came down on the Lord's altar. He would have been standing back maybe as Baal's prophets were, were killed. Judgment came upon them. It still hadn't rained, and now it's finally raining. He knows Elijah had prayed for rain. There's this opportunity for Ahab to turn to the Lord as he rode. Maybe doubts were starting to creep into his heart. Maybe we shouldn't follow Baal. But where does he go? He goes to his wife Jezebel. We see in the next chapter, Ahab does not turn. But I think there is that window. There's this opportunity of grace. Think about this. God gives these opportunities to turn to him. Whether sometimes we go through a trial, we'll cry out, hey, God, I'll follow you. If you just take this away, and he does, and we have that opportunity, will, will we turn and follow him? Maybe you see God at work in another person's life, and God's maybe sh- shining some light on something in your life you need to work with or deal with. Th- those are opportunities of grace. Will you take them and turn to him? Friends, every time we gather and open up God's word together, it's an opportunity of grace. Maybe there's some here, maybe who haven't yet trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's an opportunity today, again, to like believe, to trust, to follow Him. Say, yes, I want to give you my life. I want to walk with you the rest of my days. There's an opportunity. Maybe there's some who, who just happen to be here this morning who have like, I haven't really been walking with God. Today's an opportunity to turn again, to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you with everything that I have. There's an opportunity for, for, I think, many of us today, for those who are praying often, have yet to see an answer, to hear the words, to hear the encouragement, Lord, build us up in faith that we need to keep praying, keep trusting God for His timing, His will, His leading. Remember Luke 18.1, He told the parable that we ought to always pray and never give up. And I pray that this word this morning has helped us all see the opportunities of grace to walk in them, but for all of us to keep praying, to never give up. Lord, increase our faith. If you'll bow with me as I close this word in prayer. Oh Lord, we are speaking of things that only you can do and accomplish. I pray you would seal this word in our hearts. I pray you would make us uh, of, of people who would, who would pray, who would be on our knees often. Lord, as we see, there's so many uh, God-sized problems, Lord, we don't have the answer for. So I pray each one of us, help us to grow in the ability to persevere, to continue in prayer. And Lord, give us greater faith where we cannot see the answer. I pray that this word by your Spirit would help us to keep going, keep trusting in you. Do your work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.